Hello, public sector marketing and sales professionals, and welcome to episode three of the Public Sector Primer podcast series brought to you by the Government Technology Insider. I'm Ryan Schraden, a frequent contributor to GTI and your host for today. And I appreciate you joining us for the third episode of our Public Sector Primer podcast series, a four-part conversation about marketing and selling solutions to the federal government and military. Now, if you've joined us for our previous episodes in the series, you've already gotten the gist of what this is all about. But for those popping in for the first time, let me enlighten you a little bit. Uh, GTIs joined forces with Tom Mahoney, the VP of Marketing at TD Cynics Public Sector, to effectively provide a manual or a handbook for companies looking to market and sell solutions to the federal government and the military. And you couldn't really ask for a better instructor. Tom's been running successful campaigns, marketing and selling technology solutions to the government and military for the better part of two decades. When this podcast series is over, we hope that you'll walk away with the skills, knowledge, and abilities that you'll need to do business with the government and military. And we kick this series off by exploring ways that you can identify those sales opportunities. We then kind of pivoted and, and talked about some of the themed marketing campaigns that you could use to reach government and military decision makers. Today, we want to pivot again and talk about building relationships and engaging with those people the senior leaders and budget holders that will ultimately make or break your ability to get innovative technology solutions into the hand of government employees and warfighters. Tom, you ready to do this again? I'm ready, Ryan. Thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm excited for episode number three. I am too. This is going to be a fun one. I think engagement's an important thing to talk about. So when we say that we want to engage with these people, these military, these government decision makers, the people who are the budget holders, the ones with the purse strings, um, what do we mean? You know, what does engagement look like and what does engagement mean to you? So that's a great question. Engagement can take on a couple different forms. In, in the digital marketing world, engagement can be measured in terms of responses to your campaigns. You know, are my are my readers opening my emails? If they're opening my emails, are they clicking through on the call to action? You know, meaning, are they going where I want them to go after reading this email? And if they're going where I want them to go, and that could be a, to a webinar, to a registration page, to a downloadable asset like an infographic or a white paper, are they taking the action on that next step? And each one of those little yeses that they give you, yes, I'll open this email. Yes, I'll click on this link. Yes, I'll visit this page. Yes, I'll download this asset. That increases your engagement score and your connectivity to that end user uh, in, the, in the government or military. That's digital engagement. Other examples of digital engagement, how are my social media posts uh, generating traffic? Am I getting the likes and comments? Is the traffic to my website or my product pages increasing or decreasing month over month, week over week, year over year? Those are all different examples of digital marketing engagement. And those are really great because it's easy to count, it's easy to measure, it's easy to quantify and build a strategy to improve upon those metrics. The other element of engagement is, do you have people coming to you? And they can come to you in a number of different ways. They could be calling to, into your company and saying, hey, it sounds like you know, I, I caught your radio ad or I, I joined this webinar. I'd like to learn more. Can you connect me with the right person? That, that inbound metric is a measure of engagement. It's really more of a measure of, of reach. But the other way is, you know, and this is a little bit harder to measure, 
is that person-to-person -person engagement. Is your team that's in the field, your subject matter experts, your field sales team, your engineering team, are in the field, are they getting, are people walking up to them at trade shows, industry events, luncheons, workshops, IT days, and saying, oh, I've heard of your brand and I understand that you solve X, Y, and Z. I'd like to hear more about that. That is the best kind of engagement. The hardest to come by, the hardest to even track, unless you've got somebody really good in the field who's diligent about coming back to the home office and updating the CRM system, but that is the ultimate gold when you're in a sales and marketing motion. Somebody walking up to you saying, I've heard, of what, I've heard of you, and I think I understand what you can do for me. Let's have a conversation. You know, we talk to government marketers a lot, and, and a lot of what we hear is this, this need or desire to, like you said, engage with people and then build a relationship with them. So, you know, how does mm -hmm. one start to do that? How does one engage with people and start to build a relationship there? And, and what tools exist for sales and marketing people out there that will enable them to do that? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, and and I would offer, you know, it depends on your preferred motion to the market or your sales and marketing strategy. But speaking for the marketing side, how can you continue that relationship? And, and let's stick with that example that I started with where you built up the yeses along the way. You, you've deployed an email to your contact. They've opened that email. That's the first yes. And the whole point, by the way, of that subject line is to get them to open the email. That's all that subject line is for, the from name and the subject line. I just want you to open the email. That's the first yes. Now they've opened up the email. They're consuming the content. They're looking at the pictures. They're seeing the buttons. And all that email is designed to do uh, in a direct marketing motion is I want them to click the button that is my call to action, the next step I want them to take. Everything in that email is driving towards that one action, that one click. If you get that and you get them to your landing page to register for your event, sign up to be told more, have a meeting, whatever that call to action might be, getting them to make the transaction on that page, if it's a form submission, that's the next yes. And everything on that page is getting to that yes. But here's where so many marketers drop the ball. They don't follow their shot after they got to that yes. And it's the hardest yes to get. It's the hardest yes to get is getting somebody to give up their information in exchange for an asset. So don't drop the ball there. You want to engage in a follow-up nurture series. So when they've requested the asset, if it's a white paper, an ebook, you want to send an email back to that person delivering the asset, even if you make it available to them right away. They filled out the form and, and they get to the next step and they can get the ebook, the white paper, the case study, the product documentation, whatever it is. Follow up, deliver it over email. That email has the highest open rate of anything else you'll do in a marketing strategy because they're expecting it and they're primed to respond to it. And so once you've done that, you've earned the right to continue to market to them They've invited you into their inbox. And so have a series on the shelf ready to go, a two, three, or four-part email series that you can deploy on a regular cadence just to those folks that have followed through on your primary call to action in that first email series. And what you can measure, and most of the marketing automation platforms and CRM systems do this out of the box and can help you with the measurement, it will show you of your target market who you've reached, who follows through on each of those subsequent conversations now or subsequent communications i should say so if you've targeted the right person on the front end 
then the more that they engage, the more they react to the marketing, and the more you've earned the right to their inbox and to their attention span, the higher their engagement goes up. And that means they're going to be much more responsive to a call from a SDR sales development rep or a business development rep or an account executive on your team who's tasked with converting that interest into potential pipeline. So that's one way where you can continue to build a relationship is by earning the right to continue to market to them. Yeah, I think some people would be really shocked, you know, to your point that, you know, balls get dropped there. Um, you would think that that would be the most natural thing, right? Someone fills out a form online. They say they want to learn more about something. You think that next communication would be a no-brainer. And mm. in, in the discussions I've had, the relationships I've had with government marketers in the past, it is shocking how many leads go into an Excel spreadsheet and then nothing ever happens to them. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It, we, it, we see that all the time. And I, I would just, oh, sorry, Ryan, I, I would just offer, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's like going to the dentist. We all know what we're supposed to be doing. Um, but when the time comes to, to knuckle down and actually do the work, you know, it just, it doesn't get done. It gets deprioritized against other things. But I just remind you, the hardest thing in digital marketing to do is to get somebody to put their email address into a form and, and click a button because they know that that opens up the, the floodgates to potentially more marketing. So if you've got them to that point, you've actually built up a level of trust with them. Take advantage of it. Lean into that and just continue to deploy your marketing. Don't drop the ball at that stage once you've gotten across the most difficult hurdle. Uh, that's an excellent point. I appreciate that analogy because it's a good reminder for me that I do actually have to make a dentist appointment. I canceled one a few months ago and then never rescheduled. Mm. <laughs> I so let let's talk about that sales part of it, right? You know, because ultimately at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. We're we're trying to sell things to the government. And I think, you know, some people look at that as almost a dirty thing, but you know, let's be honest, if you have a product or a solution that's gonna help a government agency do something more effectively or more efficiently, or you know, can help save a, a warfighter's life, you know, it's a good thing. Selling that product or solution to the government, to the military is a good thing. So, you know, let's talk about that transition, the transition from building engagement and building a relationship, that tradition, the transition from marketing to sales. You know, how do we effectively and appropriately begin to sell to people that we've engaged with and built a relationship with? You know, it starts with discovery. Um, and you know, there's the, the principle out there of listen to understand and so you have been communicating and in a lot of ways it's been a one-way communication in terms of you're pushing information to your target consumer or your target customer you're pushing and pushing uh but there's no communication coming back outside of those engagement are they clicking are they opening are they responding are they downloading and that's an important signal that is communicating a degree of interest but you're not necessarily hearing from them what their real pain points are, you know, and, and that's where injecting the sales process and doing discovery, picking up the phone and just saying, hey, I see that you seem to be reading or consuming information about X, Y, and Z. I just want to understand, is that a pain point you're having? And then just listen and then ask a question. Tell me more about that. 
and just listen and then ask a question, you know, what have you tried and just listen. And in that first call, that discovery call, you're just, you're almost playing therapist. You want them to share as much as you can. You don't want to sell in that first call. You're just going to listen because if you listen effectively on that first call, that's when you earn the right to have a follow-up conversation to say, Hey, I think I've heard everything. Here's what I've heard. Let me reflect that back to you. And if I've got that right, if I can help address some of these pain points, would you be open to a follow-up call? And if you've done an effective job listening, you've done an effective job summarizing, and you're, you're creating that, um, that relationship with the customer, you're probably going to earn that right. You're, you're going to have a better shot at earning that right to a follow-up conversation. And if not, that's good too, because you can move on to the next opportunity on your list. But that first call is just about discovery and listening to understand so that you can follow up with something that's really going to help shortcut what can be a lengthy sales process by bringing a solution that speaks to the pain points you've heard directly, not just assuming you understand the pain points and using your corporate boilerplate you know, sales pitch. That'll work sometimes, but not as effectively as listening first. So you've been in the game for a while. You've done this for a while. And I would assume that you know, this process that we talked about, you know, engagement to relationship and building a relationship and then, you know, with time appropriately kind of transitioning that relationship over to sales, doing a lot of listening, you know, and then being able to offer a solution to the pain point that the government has. You know, it's a process, it's a funnel, it's a pipeline. And I would assume that in the time that you've been doing this, that's evolved. Um, you know, how has the process evolved in the time that you've been doing this? Um, you know, how has it changed? You know, how has the process that we use to identify opportunities, create campaigns, drive engagement, how has that changed in the time that you've been doing this and has it changed for the better? Oh, it's, that's a tricky one to, to answer because many, many, many things have changed around the process. The technology has gotten so much more advanced. And what used to be a strategic advantage for companies you know, 20 years ago with uh, having their own CRM system, that advantage has been largely nullified by commercial off-the-shelf CRM systems. Um, what became a really big advantage was when your team was able to hook into a marketing automation platform like a HubSpot, Marketo, Eloqua, MailChimp, or others that really helped execute more campaigns at scale. That allowed you to deploy things across technology, but then you had to bring in people to help manage that technology and, and understand how to make it all work together. But these are all things that are at around the process. But the core framework of engaging with a customer and helping to address their pain point that has remained fundamentally the same. Understanding their pain point, suggesting your solution, and then painting a picture of the future result. That's the three-step three process for any effective sales and marketing strategy at its most fundamental heuristic level. What is the customer's pain point? Then what is your solution? And then three, painting a picture of how that can transform their current situation into a future situation. One of the most effective sales and marketing strategies we've seen 
because it works with all of us is the before and after picture. This is what it looked like before the product or solution was used. And here's what it looks like after the product or solution is used because we can all identify with the future ideal state that we want to live in, whether that's cosmetic, whether that's with technology, whether that's in our personal lives or in our professional lives or in environments, the before and after picture. But that means, number one, understanding the pain point. Two, being able to position what you do as the solution or the anecdote to that uh, antidote to that pain point. And then three, painting that after picture. You have used the solution. This is what your life looks like now. And the rest of that, all the technology, all the enhancements, all of the, the regulation that's come out, those are just the context in which you need to operate in order to follow those three steps, pain, solution, result. So time for our last question. Kind of been a theme in this podcast series that my last question is always a little bit of show and tell. Uh, yeah, like I've told our listeners before, I learn best by hearing what other people do. So you know, that, that three-step strategy that you laid out, you know, let's, let's hear a little bit about how you're implementing it at TD Cynics Public Sector. You know, how are you guys driving engagement? How are you building relationships? And then how are you helping to drive sales with people in the government and military, specifically with what you guys are doing? So part of our role in the channel, TD Cynics Public Sector, is to be the trusted advisor and partner that can help you understand what's happening in the marketplace and respond to some of the changes within that space that you, you need to be aware of. And so an example that has been around for a, a few years now, CMMC, what is it? What does it mean? How does it impact my business? And what do I need to know, do, or enact around CMMC so that I don't find myself locked out of doing business with a really important customer in this space, the Department of Defense. You know, what do I need to know? And so if I were to use that process or that analogy is we work with our vendors and the value-added resellers uh, aligned to our portfolio, the first pain point is I need to understand CMMC so that I can understand what my go-forward strategy should be. My pain point is I don't understand what my go-forward strategy should be. And that can be stressful confusing and you don't want to be locked out of doing business with the largest consumer of IT solutions, the U.S. federal government. So what's the solution? Well, we put together an education series supported by a product page, a webinar with third-party trusted advisors all around, and we've published blogs, uh, social media posts, articles, podcasts, all around driving awareness of CMMC and providing insights into what we know and where we think CMMC is going. And so that was the solution. Pain point is, I know I need to be doing something around CMMC, I just need to understand how this could impact me so that I can build a go forward strategy. Our solution was, well, we're gonna help educate you because the more informed you are, the better we can help grow your public sector business. And so the result is walk away as a more informed strategic leader for your brand who understands how CMMC applies and impacts your future business strategy. And all the tactics we deployed had to line up to those three steps, pain, solution, result, webinars, blogs, articles, social media, talking points for our field team, uh, a product page, and, and, and the communications driving awareness around all of that. 
helped create uh, a solution for that pain point. What do I, I don't know what I need to know about CMMC. How do I react? How do I build it into my strategy so that I can be a more informed strategic leader for our business? You, you definitely can't spell pain without CMMC. Now, that's not actually true. There's no C or M in, uh, in pain, but I, I do know it has been a pain for a lot of government contractors. That's a great example. Yeah, and the pain is, you know, does it apply to me? Who does it apply to? And if it does apply to me, how do I get in front of, how do I line up to those requirements? The pain is just around education and, and, and uh, you know, the government has done a great job pushing it. We want to help amplify awareness. We want to help amplify the understanding because it is meant to help make for a more secure country and a more secure consumption of IT solutions. And it's bigger than just IT solutions. And so we want to amplify that message because technology is the ultimate enabler of modernizing government. So we want to remove any barriers to being able to deliver on that modernizing government. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have left for this episode, the penultimate episode of the Public Sector Primer podcast series. Tom, thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing your knowledge yet again. This has been incredibly enlightening. Thank you, Ryan. This has been fun. <laughs> all of our public sector marketers and salespeople, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you're looking for more educational resources on this topic, uh, TD Cynics uh, Public Sector has a white paper, 30 Lessons for Doing IT Business in the Public Sector. We'll go ahead and put a link to that white paper in the article that this podcast is embedded in on GTI. Uh, we'd also encourage you to check back on Government Technology Insider for what will be the fourth and final episode in the Public Sector Primer podcast series. In that episode, we're going to be uh, exploring something really interesting, how to build a brand that resonates with the government. And uh, the timing of this is, is really interesting. We're going to talk specifically uh, about the TD Cynics Public Sector brand uh, with the person who helped launch it. Mm -hmm.